0: I'm Andrew Schwartz, and you're listening to The Truth of the Matter, a podcast by CSIS where we break down the top policy issues of the day and talk with the people that can help us best understand what's really going on. To get to the truth of the matter on the recent joint military exercises between the United States and Israel and Israel's subsequent drone strike inside Iran, we have with us The Wall Street Journal's Middle East correspondent, Dion Nissenbaum. Diane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. So you were just out on the USS George Herbert Walker Bush while the United States and Israel were conducting what were their biggest ever joint military exercises. What was that like?
1: Yeah, it was a pretty incredible operation. Uh, It was about four days of exercises, the largest they've ever done, more than 6,000 US personnel, more than 1,000 Israeli personnel, uh, jet fighters, advanced F-35s, bombers, big aircraft carrier, artillery, 180,000 pounds of live fire, uh, exercises to take out air defenses, cyber operations, space operations. Yeah, it was incredible. They've never done anything like this before and this was the top generals going out to the aircraft carrier from Israel and the US to sit down and kind of take stock of how the operation had gone and what messages other folks around the world might be taking away from this
0: exercise. So, put us in the scene. You're out in, I guess, the middle of the Mediterranean Sea on this humongous carrier, right?
1: Yeah, we, we flew out uh, in a couple of planes about 30 miles off the coast of, of Israel in the Mediterranean Sea. You've got the aircraft carrier out there uh, and you've got a variety of uh, helicopters and planes taking off and landing, taking part in, in exercises uh,
0: off the coast. And you were there because this was the biggest ever exercise as you just described. It went from being on the sea to all the way up in space. Was this trying to send a message to Iran that Israel and the United States are on the same page? What, what, was, what was the back message that they were trying to deliver with such a huge exercise?
1: Yeah, the, the subtext here is all about Iran, right? This is coming at a time when Iran itself is in the midst of intense domestic turmoil with the protests, U.S. efforts to get the nuclear containment deal back on track or at a standstill. It, Iran is providing deepening military cooperation to Russia for the war in Ukraine. So, especially Israel and the US are looking for how they can best counter Iran and its and its growing threat. And so this exercise came together as a way through actions to send a message to Iran that the U.S. and Israel are in lockstep in protecting Israel and sending a message to Iran that its efforts to expand its military ambitions will be countered by a deepening uh, military cooperation with Israel and the U.S. And of course, a big part of this is Israel's deepening cooperation with militaries across the region stretching all the way to the Iranian coast now with deepening cooperation with Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates. And so this is also an an extension of that and U.S.-led efforts to integrate Israel more deeply into regional security.
0: Now, of course, just days after you were out on the carrier during these exercises, Israel carried out a drone strike which targeted a defense compound in Iran. What is it like for a reporter to be on an aircraft carrier during an exercise like this. What, what do you do while you're on that carrier? Are you observing the drills? Are you talking to the generals? What are you trying to accomplish to tell the story of what's going on?
1: Well, we went out there with the CENTCOM commander and, and Israel's top general, their chief of staff, where they were out there to take stock of, of the four days of operation. So we got to see, uh, we, got to, we got to go up on the flight deck and see the takeoff and the landings of the various aircraft to see a little bit of their exercises, got to talk to mostly the Americans that were involved in the exercises about what they were doing and and to talk to the, to the top US and Israeli military officials who were running it. So it's our chance to kind of hear from them what their intentions are, uh, what message they're trying to send. And it was interesting because officially they did not want to use the I-word to talk about this. They didn't want to talk about Iran. And in their official statements, they talk about partnerships and deepening cooperation and things like that. But really, it was like pulling teeth to get any American official to use the I-word because You know, as one American told me, they they want actions to speak louder than words here. They don't want to poke Iran in the eye. And they feel like the exercise itself sends a pretty clear message about what they're trying to do.
0: Would the Israelis talk to you about their intentions?
1: So that was, yeah. So I I was able to get the, the top Israeli general to talk to me off to the side. And he did, in fact, say, you know, we're trying to send a clear message to Iran that if they continue to be provocative in the region, we're developing our offensive capabilities and we're going to defend ourselves. So they, he was pretty clear when I was able to to uh, pull him aside after he made his official comments in which he didn't use the uh, I word.
0: So this this is General Herzi Halevi, who yeah. just took over last week or a couple of weeks ago as Israel's military chief of staff.
1: And exactly.
0: And so he's in a position where maybe he's not supposed to talk about Iran so openly, but he does. He tells you really what he thinks. And then just a couple days later, you know, as we just said, Israel conducts this drone strike. So what message do you think they're really trying to send and and is it being received?
1: Well, yes. So the
0: the operation the
1: drone strike operation was carried out by the mossad not by the israeli military but of course you know everybody works together in this operation but you know this is the first covert operation under benjamin netanyahu's new far right leading government when he was in the job before he carried out a number of pretty audacious operations inside Iran, including, you know, stealing of the the nuclear cache of documents, which they secreted out of the country, and Mossad, uh, under Benjamin Netanyahu, when he had the job before, developed this effort to use these quadcopters, these very small sort of four-propeller drones, that have to be launched from inside the country to carry out a series of attacks on Iran's nuclear and military program. And that's what they used here. So it's, you know, you're sending a message, number one, you've got people inside the country that are working with the Israelis to carry out an operation. Like we are inside the country operating against you. Number two, we're not gonna sit by idly and watch you develop a deepening military role with, with Russia number 3 we're not just going to focus on the nuclear program we're going to focus on your missile program and your drone program and we're going to you know hit you every which way that we can so we are not sure yet how effective this operation was because it was was uh, quadcopters they're quite small uh some israeli officials say it's been a success but the satellite images we've seen suggest that it, that it may not have done the kind of damage they wanted to do Regardless, they're still sending a message that they can still strike at the heart of Iran's secretive military and nuclear programs when when they want to.
0: Well, let's talk about that for a second. When you're talking to Israeli and U.S. officials, how do they describe the current state of uh, Tehran's nuclear and military ambitions?
1: Uh, their ambitions are... Are quite expansive. the The White House has been quite clear that they're very worried about the deepening military alliance between Russia and Iran. They're as much worried about what Russia could provide to Iran as what as they are about what Iran is providing to to Russia. So, you know, worst case scenario, Russia could provide Iran with sophisticated air defense systems. They could provide them with help in developing a warhead. To carry that could carry a nuclear weapon, which is you know something that Iran is at least a year or two away from being able to do on its own. So you know those are sort of like worst case scenarios. I'm not hearing a lot of fears from U.S. or Israeli officials that it's going to go that far yet, because Russia itself doesn't necessarily want to give Iran that kind of uh, firepower and air defenses. But the but the concern is real that that. Israel has said for a long time that Iran is not just a regional threat, it's a global threat. And Iran's injection into the war in Ukraine uh, has made that clear to a lot of European leaders, especially who maybe thought of Iran as a regional threat up until now. So uh, the the concern is growing about what what it means. And uh, I think people are as worried, if not more worried about Iran's drone expansion as they are about its nuclear ambitions at this point
0: well yeah let's talk more about iran's deepening military cooperation with russia What has that mostly consisted of so far is is it been drones has it been intelligence anything else
1: so far it's been almost entirely these so-called suicide drones that they're relatively simplistic drones that you just fire and they crash into their their targets and uh, Ukraine has actually been pretty successful in neutralizing that threat so far. There have been fears that Iran is going to provide ballistic missiles to Moscow and there's been some reporting that they may are, have already done so, but it has not appeared on the battlefields as of yet and the drone targets seem to come in waves every few weeks which you know suggests that Russia is blowing through its shipments as it gets them. So its, its support so far has been, I would say, limited. But the, the question is, what else are, is Iran going to provide?
0: To add complexity to this, you also have Israel's relationship with Russia. What does that mean for the equation here?
1: Yeah, so Israel has been reluctant to provide open support for Ukraine in this war, because they rely on Russian acquiescence to carry out airstrikes against Iranian targets in Syria, where Russia provides air defenses to Bashar al-Assad. And so Russia pol- Russian politicians have made clear that if Israel were to back Ukraine, that the Israel-Russia relationship could be jeopardized and imperiled. And, Uh, Israel is able to act with impunity inside Syria now, and they don't want to jeopardize that. So they have uh, shied away from providing any kind of direct military support or even allowing the re-export of any of their air defenses to Ukraine that maybe they've sold to European countries. They've provided Ukraine with some humanitarian aid and things like that. But... um, One of the things I do hear from some Israeli officials is the argument that Israel's covert campaign against Iran's military program inside Iran is the best way that Israel can help Ukraine by sort of short circuiting Iran's ability to provide Russia with drones and and other weapons.
0: So is are they saying that that's going to be a real campaign of theirs, or is this just them trying to say, hey, well, we can't really support Ukraine, but we're trying our best to do it in different ways?
1: Yeah, I think they are basically taking their campaign, which they've been doing for several years in one way or another, and refashioning, repurposing an argument to kind of say, like, you know, we can't help you openly, but. Here's what we're doing, and that helps you. It may may not be direct help. You may not see the direct consequences of it, but this is the best way that we can help you guys. And I've definitely spoken with Ukrainian officials who don't feel like that's quite enough. Uh, They would like to see Israel do more, but I I don't get any indication here this week that Israel's going to do anything more to help Ukraine
0: openly on the military front. As we're talking about this this week, Secretary of State Tony Blinken visited Jerusalem. What do you think came of that visit, and what do you think of the is the future of the Iran-Israel relationship, if there is ever any kind of relationship?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think Secretary Blinken's trip here was as much focused on Israel domestic politics and relations with the Palestinians as it was about iran uh, bill burns was just here from this bill, Bur- bill burns the cia director was just here uh, as well talking about the iranian issue i think the us and israel are pretty well aligned on that and and the us is certainly happy that israel is carrying out these kinds of covert operations inside iran which the us doesn't have to do and i think secretary blinken's visit was about taking stock of where Prime Minister Netanyahu's right-leaning government is going. There's a lot of fear about escalating violence in the West Bank, getting out of control, uh, fears that Jerusalem could go up again, fears about the efforts inside Israel to change the judiciary, which has led to massive protests here. So Blinken's visit, I think, was more focused on, on those issues than it was about the Iran issue, because I think for the most part, Israel and the U.S. see eye to eye on that. And the, the divisions and the concerns are, are over what's happening with the Palestinian issue and what's happening inside Israel.
0: Are they concerned, though, that Israel, Iran may escalate? I'm not
1: picking that up too much right now. When these things have happened in the past, Iran has usually responded in kind of a proportional way. And, you know, there's... a there's a really sort of risky game here of escalatory ladder where you know there'll be an attack from one side and then uh, the other side will respond with some sort of proportional attack and people try and cool tensions after that and have it not escalate so people are bracing for an Iranian response and Iran has gone so far as to launch you know ballistic missiles into Neighboring Iraq uh, where they last year they hit a target. They said was a secret Mossad base Which seems like it actually wasn't Uh, but they were sending a message and things stopped there so People do wonder what what could happen next on that front? But at this point, I don't think I'm picking up any fear of some sort of broad expansive prolonged war between Israel and and Iran
0: you know, of course, underlying all this is the fact that Iran continues to develop a nuclear program. And the United States and Israel are, are constantly um, raising red flags about this. How, do you pick up that the Iranians are getting much closer or to actually having a weapon, or are they still pretty far away, and does Israel and the United States still have a deterrent possibility in that regard?
1: Uh, yeah, that's, It's um, a big question, an evolving question. Obviously, Iran has gone uh, a lot farther in the last couple of years in terms of its enrichment work. I think that talking to uh, Israeli officials about this, there is a feeling that they have some time to deal with this because Iran does not have an ability to deliver a nuclear weapon. They don't have a warhead capable of delivering it and that that could take, you know, one to two years for them to do so. So they feel like there's still a window of opportunity to develop a a strike plan if they need to hit Iran, and they have to figure out what they can hit and where they would hit if they did so. And I think this joint U.S.-Israel military exercise was very much aimed as a deterrent message to Iran to try and Tell them that they're both working on this and that they will hit them if necessary. And of course, you know, I think perhaps by coincidence, it was followed a few days later by this actual covert drone strike inside Iran, which again sends a message that Israel's going to do everything it can in the meantime to set back Iran's military and nuclear program.
0: You know, you mentioned earlier that a big fear is that Russia delivers that. Weapon to Iran that allows them to deliver the capability of delivering a nuclear warhead to Israel or other places in the Middle East that they might target uh, Saudi Arabia UAE etc how does the United States feel and how does Israel feel about this possibility that Russia you know holds this card
1: yeah the, I the sense I get is that nobody thinks that Russia wants to do that because Russia itself doesn't necessarily want a nuclear-armed Iran as well, right? They're they're a partner of convenience right now, but that doesn't mean they'll always be a partner to Russia and its allies. And so they, there's a sense that Russia doesn't want to go that far. And one of the things I did hear as well is that this is maybe one of the reasons also why Israel is reluctant to get more deeply into war with Ukraine because the deeper they get involved in the war and backing Ukraine, the the less incentive Russia is going to have to to not provide Iran with that kind of capability, so there's a lot of calculus going on here about how much to antagonize Russia and waiting to see what Russia is going to provide to Iran. So far, Russia, according to U.S. intelligence, is is training Iranians on how to fly some of their advanced fighter jets, but no indications yet that they've delivered any of those fighter jets or anything like that. So. It's very much in the formative stages, and I think that us and Israeli officials are also calculating you know what they can and can't do uh, for, for Ukraine, especially you know here in Israel that would ensure that Russia doesn't
0: well Diane, thank you very much for helping us understand these really complex equations that go surround Ukraine surround Iran Israel, and the United States a lot of us only think about Ukraine as a regional you know situation, but clearly it's much, much more than that when you look at the factors involved in the Middle East. So thank you very much for helping us understand that. Anytime. Thanks for having me.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, check out our larger suite of CSIS podcasts from Into Africa, The Asia Chessboard, China Power, AIDS 2020, The Trade Guys, Smart Women, Smart Power, and more. You can listen to them all on major streaming platforms like iTunes and Spotify.